Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. On this episode of Storm Stories, flash floods strike out of the blue, engulfing a vacation spot in the dead of night. Oh my God, oh my God. Just went by with the river. Okay, you said so there's a house on the river? A house, yes. In that house, a family struggling to stay afloat. It pulls me back underwater again. At this point, I say, God, let's go to heaven. Leslie, get in the closet! And a twister levels a town in just seconds. There's a wall of black in front of me, and I could not believe what I was saying. A big gust hit me, sure enough. Every window in my pickup went out. Boom. My wife was praying to Jesus, and I was agreeing with everything she said. Wimberley, Texas, 35 miles southwest of Austin. Wembley sits in the heart of the Texas Hill Country. The rivers and streams that we have just kind of bring that peaceful feeling to people that come to town. The tourists are the lifeblood of the economy. You can go fishing, kayaking, swimming, tubing. I mean, anything on the water when it's 105 degrees. It's Memorial Day weekend, 2015. Jonathan McComb, his wife Laura, and children, six-year-old Andrew and four-year-old Layden, have traveled to Wimberley from their home in Corpus Christi. It was Laura and I's 10th anniversary. We were gonna go to Mexico with some friends on a trip, and I said, you know, hey, let's stay in, in the States and stay with the kids and, you know, have a, have a Memorial Day weekend on the river, and so we came here. The McCombs joined friends Randy and Michelle Sharba along with their son, Will. Hosting the two families are Michelle's parents, who own a vacation house right on the Blanco River. That weekend was the first time Laura and I had ever even been to Wimberley, so it was all brand new to us. Saturday, May 23rd, a perfect day on the river. And it was hot and bright, and kids would raft down their tubes had briskets on the barbecue pit, and we were cooking those, and, and uh, just a great day. While the sun shines down in Wimberley, 40 miles upstream, torrential rain showers are dropping up to two and a half inches per hour. Normally, our veins, they'll come in and hit real hard for a little bit and then leave, but these were just hanging in the area for a good while. Wimberley Fire Chief Carol Sikas born and raised on the Blanco River, knows how dangerous rain can be in the Texas Hill Country, an area known as Flash Flood Alley. Somewhere around 2, 2.30, some of my upstream spotters started calling me saying, hey, you got a flood coming in. 
And at that time, I started getting a, a weird feeling. Unlike other river valleys that have soft, absorbent soil, much of the Blanco River Basin is made of non-porous limestone. One of the things about the hill country, being on that limestone base, is we've got a very shallow soil depth. So any of the rain that comes runs off fast. It channels that water, and it puts it into basically a canyon-type flow. And a small amount of rain becomes a rapid rise in the river. To monitor rising water levels, locals rely on a system of spotters up and down the area's rivers. There's an old-timers network. You'd be calling upstream, hey, how high is it at your house? OK, well, if it's that high at your house, I know how high it's going to be at mine. How worried do I need to be? By 4 p.m. on Saturday, when Carol receives more calls from spotters upstream, the answer is very worried. I started getting bigger reports, and uh, we knew right then that it's going to be a pretty good flood. Around 8 p.m., Wimberley newspaper reporter Dalton Sweat decides to check the local weather. I remember pulling out my phone, and I saw the bridge in Blanco, and it was underwater. The city of Blanco is 30 miles upstream from Wimberley. Dalton is concerned because his mother lives in Wimberley, and it's just a matter of time before those floodwaters reach her home. And I remember looking at my wife and telling her, I need to go get my mom out of the house. 10 PM. After a long day on the river, Jonathan McComb and his friend Randy Sharba are the only ones still awake at the cabin where they're staying with their families. Randy and I stayed up underneath the patio and kind of just washed it rain a little bit. And I recall asking Randy, I said, man, do you, do you hear that? And we'd shine the flashlight down at the river, and it was still inside the banks. But it was just this enormous noise of, you know, what is that noise? You know, we, we'd never heard anything like it. The sound is the usually docile Blanco River beginning to swell. And it kept coming and coming. And, and within about two or three minutes, it, it was now up into the garage. As water starts moving, every mile that it moves, it starts quadrupling into uh, the force. Water does not compress, so things that hit, it starts to give. Fire 12 miles upriver from Wimberley, Lynn Birchill is responding to his first emergency call. The first call was a lady who had said the river had surrounded her house. It was a two-story house that we removed her from the balcony of our house. I was able to ask her, where does the river normally set? And she tells me it's a quarter mile away, but not today. Today, it's running right through the backyard of her house. 10.15 PM, reporter Dalton Sweat arrives at his mother's house along the Blanco River. I remember within 30 or 45 minutes of me showing up, the water had gone from six feet deep to at the house. So it had raised 20 feet in 45 minutes. After moving valuables to the second floor, he and his mother drive to higher ground before looking back down on the river. 
we started hearing these snaps, just these huge snap sounds. And it took me a minute to really fathom that it was the cypress trees snapping in half. In the dark of night, a wall of water is rushing toward the town of Wimberley and straight for Jonathan McComb, his wife, and two kids. And all of a sudden, you can feel this just thud against the back of the house. And then next thing we know, the whole thing's just floating, the entire house. A house just went by with the river, and there was a person in it with a spotlight. OK, you said, so there's a house on the river? A house, yes. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook, with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Saturday night, May 23rd, 2015. In the Texas Hill Country town of Wimberley, many residents and tourists are asleep and have no idea what's just hit them. This home video shows the force of the building floodwaters on the Blanco River. The worst fear is this happened in the middle of the night. These people are in bed. They didn't know what was going on. I never get to us. We're okay. All right? Luckily, the family in this house is able to evacuate to safety. While other residents, like Dalton Sweat's mother, fear their homes will be entirely washed away. I remember looking at my mom and telling her, we don't need to be praying for the house anymore. It's not there. By 11 p.m., rushing waters crash into the cabin where Jonathan McComb is staying with his family and friends. You can kind of feel the house shaking a little bit just from the pressure of the water against the house. And then all of a sudden, you can feel this thud against the back of the house. Next thing we know, the whole thing's just floating, um, the entire house. 11.33 p.m., someone sees the house rushing down the river and calls 911. Can you tell me 911? Do you need a police fire EMS? A house just went by with the river, and there was a person in it with a spotlight. OK, you said, so there's a house on the river? A house, yes, just went by through the river, and there was someone in it with a bright light. 
So at this point, you know, we have everybody still in the chairs. And I can remember looking out the windows with flashlights to kind of navigate where we need to be in the house if we're going to hit something um, to kind of prepare for it. Moving at more than 30 miles an hour, the house is headed straight for a concrete bridge. We can see the bridge coming, and we kind of prepare to hit, kind of hold on to everybody, and we hit the bridge. And it was probably one of the most awful sounds I've ever heard in my life. It just gets totally smashed underneath it, and the whole second story uh, comes off. Glass breaking, two by four, snapping sheetrock. I mean, debris falling everywhere on top of everybody. Reporter Dalton Sweat and his mother, having evacuated to higher ground along the river, hear the sound of the house hitting the bridge. We heard this just huge crash. And I remember being confused as to what could make that sound. My first thought was the bridge had fallen over. Hearing people screaming, there aren't words to describe emotions. Stun, terror, it's indescribable, it really is. That's kind of where things started to go downhill quickly. As the rushing water invades the house, its owner, 71-year-old Sue Carey, who is hosting the weekend getaway, is struggling to hang on. I grab onto her and try and pull her as, as hard as I can to get her back up. It was kind of the suction behind the house that was pulling her and the debris getting built up in between us that, and just being wet that I lost grip of her. And that was the last time anybody ever made contact with Sue again. We hit another big cypress tree, and it kind of splits the house in half. And that was the last time that we saw Randy and Michelle and Will. We had approximately about, about 140 calls come in uh, within the first hour. 911, do you need police fire EMS? All of the above. Thanks, County 911, do you need police fire EMS? We are in the river. Like, we are stuck in a tree right now. We're on my feet. My teeth? OK. People on top of their cars, people on top of their houses. Is the water inside of your residence right now, or? Yes, it is. Almost into the second floor. As the lightning hit, I looked around. The debris in the water was everything. It wasn't parts of the tree, it was the entire tree. And there were hundreds of them broken off going downstream. There were roofs of houses that the entire roof had popped off. And now I have a roof mixed in all these trees. We had found a, a mattress that was still inside the house that we everybody kind of got onto. Laura, Andrew Layton, and myself. We uh, continued down, hit another large wave. Again, kind of come to and open your eyes and get the water out of it. And there's Laura, there's Layton. And at this moment, uh, Andrew's gone. And then in the very back of the debris pile, the worst thing I've ever heard is uh, Andrew yelled, help me, daddy. Help me, daddy. Which is still very vivid in my mind. So I jumped back to get him and get a hold of him for a second and hold on to him. And then 
slammed by another big wave. Lose grip of him and never see anybody else again. So that was when I knew that I'd lost my whole family. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Wimberley, Texas, May 2015. A nighttime flash flood on the Blanco River has left parts of the town and many of its people underwater. In the middle of the river, Jonathan McComb is fighting to stay alive after losing his wife and two children in the raging floodwaters. I've been struggling so hard that underwater, I've just prayed. I said, God, you know, I know that my family and friends are not here. And Take me with them. Let's go home. Let's go to heaven. And so I gave up and just went totally limp underwater. Didn't try and struggle. And I found a big log floating next to me. And I grabbed a hold of that. And so at that point, I had another conversation with God. And I said, OK, if you want me to get out of here, I need your help. I knew I was in pain. I knew I was hurting. Um, I also knew that if I if I quit, then I basically quit on my family as well. Nearly an hour after the house first washed away into the river, Jonathan is able to pull himself onto the bank and crawl to the first house he finds. He is six miles away from where he started. When the paramedics arrive an hour later, they find Jonathan has several broken ribs, a broken sternum, and a punctured lung. I didn't know any of these injuries at the time. It was just adrenaline that kept, kept me going and, and the thought of, I need to get somewhere where I can find my family. Sunday, May 24th. We didn't know what bad was going to look like until the sun came up. This is horrific. Everything's just completely obliterated. When we first started out, we had almost 60 people that were missing. So we had to start trying to account back for the people. Among the missing, the family of Jonathan McComb. Jonathan himself is now in the hospital in San Antonio. So I had two totally different emotions in the hospital. One of pain and loss and devastation and just heartbreak. And I just stared at, stared at a square on the ceiling for three days as I laid there and cried. Holy cow. Once they told me the effort that was going on outside, to another emotion of love and caring. But I would say within a day, two days, there was a 1,000 people here um, searching. 
Two days after the flood, the body of Michelle Sharba, whose parents' house washed down the river, is recovered. The next day, Jonathan's son is found. I remember them saying they recovered Andrew, and I got up immediately and walked out of the room. I didn't need to hear anything, and, and I walked out of the back and just fell on my knees and cried. And, um, and I, I prayed. And my prayer was that um, I thanked God for the six years that I had with him. That was a big prayer. In the days following, Jonathan identifies his wife, Laura, from a picture of her wedding ring. The bodies of three others who were in the house are also found. Michelle's husband, Randy Sharba, as well as her parents, Ralph and Sue Carey. The youngest members of the two families, five-year-old Will Sharba and four-year-old Leighton McComb, are never recovered. It was the all-American family. Beautiful wife, boy, a girl. Couldn't ask for anything better. I know in my heart where my family is, and I'm going to get to see him again, and I have no doubt about that. And so that's why I continue on. In all, the flood claims 13 lives and damages or destroys more than 300 homes. As Wimberley recovers, new warning systems are put in place to make sure people can be evacuated faster in the event of a flash flood. We have seven different flood gauges all the way up to the headwaters of the Blanco now. And so we can tell how much rain is there. We see what the flood stage is. Like the ebbs and flows of the Blanco River, Jonathan McComb pushes on, holding close the memory of his family. I have to be able to move on, and I can't live in the past. And I want to tell people that you can go through bad things. God has blessed me with the memory of all this so that I know that I've done everything that I could to save my family. Coming up, Eddie F5 Twister devastates a small town in Mississippi. Those people's house isn't there. That trailer's gone? It's gone. There were no houses left, and I couldn't really even tell where I was. Smithville, Mississippi, a quiet town of about a 1,000 people in the northeast corner of the state. Smithville is a 45-minute drive from the large town of Tupelo, Mississippi, that everyone knows as the birthplace of Elvis Presley. People in Smithville are friendly. They greet you, uh, how you doing, God bless you, how's your mom and him, <laughs> those kinds of things. In late April 2011, an historic tornado outbreak puts the small town on edge. 
This is really an extraordinary event. I mean, this may end up being one of the worst tornado outbreaks on record of any time. Yeah, we're seeing a huge number of supercell thunderstorms in multiple lines rolling across just Mississippi and Alabama. We may get enough tornadoes also today to push April 2011 to the biggest tornado month on record. The super outbreak results in 350 tornadoes from Texas to New York. We had gone through a couple of nights with storm alerts going off, with storm sirens. It would wake us up. No one's watching the weather more closely than Patty Parker's son, Johnny, who was 16 at the time. I got into weather when I was about five years old. Johnny's cerebral palsy has made it very difficult for him to speak fluently. He always was a kid that loved the weather. And he always had the Weather Channel on television and would rather watch that than the Cartoon Network. With his first cell phone, he started sending text about the weather to teachers, to other students, and that had grown to a couple of hundred people in the community that got Johnny's weather texts. His nickname was Johnny the Weatherman. Wednesday, April 27th. Before going to school, Johnny sends a message to his subscribers. Conditions favorable for severe weather and tornadoes. Please remain weather aware. 3 p.m. Yet another tornado warning triggers the county's emergency sirens. We had been listening to the sirens go off all week. It was all stormy weather all week long. It was kind of, you kind of got numb to it. Paul Estes and his family head over to Mel's, the local diner, to grab an early dinner before evening church services. We were all dressed for church. Got there about 3.30. So we ordered our drinks and sat down. 3.45 p.m. After school, Johnny is at home with his dad and sister monitoring weather conditions while his mom is still at work. That's when he sees that a tornado has been spotted two miles west of the city limits. All of a sudden, got very cold. And I could hear this very low-pitched rumble. From his cell phone, Johnny sends an urgent text message to his weather followers. Get to a safe place now. Two miles west of town, farmer and Smithville resident Jimmy Cowley is driving home from an appointment when he glances in his side view mirror. I looked in my driver's side mirror. I saw a red truck totally fly. And it passed me, and I saw who it was. He was a boy that I knew, and I had never saw him drive fast in my life. And I was thinking, what in the world? What's wrong with him? 
before Jimmy could take another look in the mirror, a terrifying EF-5 tornado is catching him from behind. I was traveling at about 55 miles an hour, and the tornado was traveling to my understanding at 70. I didn't see it. It crossed the road behind me. And about that time, a big gust hit, sure enough. And all the wind, every window in my pickup went out. Boom. And the sound was terrible. It was wind whistling, blowing, stuff hitting my truck. You know what I mean, boom, boom, boom. The back end of my pickup went up in the air. And it went up and it flipped around and it hit on its top when it hit the ground. It rolled over a couple of times, back up on its wheels, and it was all over. Just quiet as a mouse. And I kind of come to my senses and I got up and blood was running down my face. After receiving her son Johnny's tornado warning on her phone, Patty Parker leaves her job at the United Way and heads home to be with her family. A tornado I knew had been spotted somewhere, but my anticipation was that it would just, you know, be to the north of us, to the south of us, and just let it pass by. I just wanted to be at home and know everyone was okay while we waited this one out. But it didn't happen that way. There's a curve in Highway 25. By the time the curve straightened out and I could see almost straight into town, there's a wall of black in front of me. From the left to the right, it was filling my line of sight. And I could not believe what I was seeing. As the tornado tracks down the highway into Smithville, its 200-mile-per-hour winds begin peeling the road surface from the ground. Trees had snapped. Power lines had snapped. And I drove in absolutely dumbstruck by what I was seeing happening in front of me. And my only thought was, I've got to get home. I've got to get home. At Mel's Diner, Paul Estes and his family are just getting word of the approaching twister. A large, extremely dangerous... I heard the emergency broadcast system come on the radio, but I couldn't understand what was being said. And then one of the employees said that the owner, Bobby Edwards, had called and told him to shut off the gas and get in the coolers. And I could hear a roaring sound coming. And it was nothing I had ever heard before. And I said to my wife, she was standing in the cooler door and everybody else was in the cooler. The tornado's here. Get in. And I grabbed the door handle and pulled that, that plunger on that door. The door actually popped back open. And I could see insulation, wood, spices, stuff off the counters flying through the air. I could hear my girls screaming, my wife praying. The cooler was shaking some. But at that moment, my mind was just holding that cooler door.
In April 2011, an EF5 tornado with peak winds of 205 miles per hour is ripping up the small town of Smithville, Mississippi. 69-year-old Smithville resident Jimmy Cowley was driving when the twister caught him from behind. A piece of tin had come through the cab and wrapped around the top of my pickup. It cut my head about four inch gash in the top of my head. It come that clear. If it had been a little lower, it would have cut my head off. When I got out of my truck and looked, there was a big subdivision. I said to myself, I said, my goodness, there's got to be 100 people dead. Every house that I could see from where I was was either damaged, bad, or gone. On the other side of Smithville, 16-year-old Johnny Parker and his sister are huddled in the hallway with their dad. His mom is desperately trying to get home to them. That's when Johnny's dad suddenly hears a voice from above. He said he just heard a voice that said, move. And we had a bathroom right off the hallway. He pulled the kids into the bathroom, threw them in. And before he could get the bathroom door closed and braced against it, everything that was on one end of the house blew down that hallway and embedded itself in the opposite end of the house. It was almost like a wind tunnel. I was just in total shock by what was happening. Two miles away at Mel's Diner, Paul Estes and his family are taking shelter inside one of the diner's walk-in coolers. My daughters were screaming their heads off, and my wife was praying to Jesus back there behind me. And I was agreeing with everything she said the whole time. The whole building shook. That sounds like the silliest thing in the world, but that's the only protection I could give them at the time, was to keep that door shut and keep the tornado out. And then it got quiet. It didn't seem like it lasted five seconds. I popped the door open, and you could just, everything was just insulation, wood. Everything inside of Mel's diner in the kitchen area was just demolished. Paul, his family, and the other customers emerge from the cooler, all unharmed, and venture outside. The first thing that came to my mind was a war zone. Somebody had dropped a bomb, and it went off in the middle of the air and just leveled everything. I could see where my mom and daddy's house was supposed to be. It was gone. I told my wife, I said, baby, I said, y'all okay? I got to go check on mom and daddy. As Paul rushes to check on his parents, three blocks away, Smithville Mayor Greg Kennedy is digging out from under the rubble that once was City Hall. I thought my time had come, and, and I was prepared. But when I opened my eyes, I knew that I was alive. And to walk out and to see beautiful blue sky, no storm cloud, no nothing, just beautiful sky. Everything was gone. I thought we lost basically half our population. 
just looking across the landscape and seeing flat land. You know, I was in shock. It was so quiet. You could actually hear people screaming out in the debris field. You could hear people holler, but you couldn't see them. You didn't know where they were at. The mayor springs into action and sets up a triage center. People would bring the injured to the triage center on the back of an ATV. We were using uh, door slabs as stretchers. Paul Estes is among those searching for loved ones. He races over to his parents' flattened house and discovers his father lying in the rubble. He looked at me and said, son, find your mama. I was holding her hand, and it just took her up away from me. I said I couldn't hold on to her. An EF-5 tornado cuts a half-mile-wide path of destruction through the small town of Smithville, Mississippi. It's the first time in nearly a half a century that an EF-5 twister has touched down in the state. I don't know if it lasted 10 seconds. Maybe from the time it hit the city limit sign to the other city limit sign, it might have been 10 seconds. Everything was just leveled. The water tower had a dent in it and a little red paint from a car that had been thrown to the top of the water tower. Just minutes after the tornado passes, Paul Estes runs to his parents' house only to find it in ruins. My uncle and cousin had dug Daddy out. He was hollering. They had dug him out of the rubble. And uh, he had a big old bruise on the left side of his face where something had hit him pretty hard. And he looked at me and said, son, find your mama. I said, I was holding her hand, and it just took, us, took her up away from me. I said, I couldn't hold on to her. On the western edge of town, Patty Parker is racing home to get to her family. I drove as far into town as I could get. There were power lines everywhere. I pulled my car off the side of the road, grabbed my phone and keys and just started running. There were no houses left. There were no landmarks. And I couldn't really even tell where I was. Patty is finally able to make it home. We had walls blown out and three signs. The roof was gone. My husband and children I didn't see anywhere but I just started screaming my husband's name. And about the time I turned in our driveway, I saw him walking out from the back of the house. My daughter came running up the driveway and I just scooped her up. Moments later, her son Johnny emerges from the rubble the teenage weatherman who warned hundreds of people about the tornado. The look on his face, it's like it, it happened 
you know, he forecasted it, knew it was coming, but it had really happened. Oh my God, we just outran this. I wanna go, I wanna go back. One family shoots this video as they drive through Smithville. Those people's house isn't there. That trailer's gone? It's gone. They left, that saved their lives. Yes, it did. This is like uh, maybe the worst part. That used to be the post office. Bunch of slabs out there with no house. I was just in shock at the amount of damage that we sustained. What took us 140 years to build was gone in 10 seconds. And it was really emotionally hard. The tornado, which also hits Alabama, claims a total of 23 lives and injures 137 others. By far, the hardest thing I had to do is to set up a temporary mortar. Uh, I just had to take a knee for a minute. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the things that you'll go to your, I'll go to my own grave, remember. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's hard. Paul Estes and other family members are still searching for his mother after the tornado pulled her from her husband's arms. I went looking and I, and I circled the whole place. I knew in my heart my mom was gone. I had laid eyes on her, but I knew it in my heart. Paul's mother is found dead an hour later under debris near her home. The next day, Paul's father dies in the hospital after complications from a heart attack. You know, you're supposed to see mom and daddy pass peacefully instead of being, you know, going through something as tragic as a tornado coming through and taking their lives. You know, that kind of just hurts my heart, hurts me down deep for, for both of them to have passed that way. Ain't but one way I can handle it, and that's just to put it on Jesus' doorstep. It literally tore us apart in the beginning, but it unified us in the end. You realize that, you know, it's a new beginning. Let's rebound. There were fantastic volunteers. Salvation Army. That just descended on our town with everything you could imagine to try and be helpful. Part of the town's rebound, a new and improved Mel's Diner. That's one of the first businesses to build back. And I remember telling the owners, I sure always wish you'd hurry up, because I sure miss your fried fish. It was nice to be able to, to walk into the new Mel's and say, we're back, <laughs> we, you know, we're not going anywhere just because a little tornado come through. <laughs> Jim Cowley replaces his truck that was totaled in the storm. I took my road to town with me. When I started hunting me a new truck, I was gonna buy the one that had the biggest rear view mirrors <laughs> because I wanted to make sure that I didn't ever let another tornado slip up behind me. For Johnny Parker, the tornado has one unexpected outcome. 
I was so inspired by his dedication to his weather subscribers that day, I arranged to meet Johnny and give him a little present. What's going on? How are you? How you doing? Hey, you know what? I will, I've been wearing this the whole hurricane season, and I thought, I think it looked really good on you. Yes. Like, let's, uh, let's try that on. <laughs> there we go. Oh, look at that. Perfect. Let's see. Sam, get Merry Christmas, buddy. Here we go.